0: Hi, everybody. This is M.G. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell. Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk. Welcome, everybody. And today, I think we're going to talk about a couple of things, as usual. But one of the topics that I found interesting was this whole idea of... And it kind of like... uh, We did one recently about rigorous honesty... Uh, So it's similar to rigorous honesty, but this is more about dealing with the truth. And the truth in terms of when people tell you the truth, when your sponsor tells you the truth, and when people give you these truth bombs, it can be challenging.
1: It can be painful. It can It can hurt your feelings. I mean, I remember there was things... You know, with my sponsor... Well, first, let's go back and talk about like what the quote that you said about uh, the comfort zone.
0: Right. I had a friend of mine that gave me this quote, and I really love it. And it's like, it's really nice in your comfort zone, but nothing ever grows there. So I love that because I feel like it's true. And my comfort zone is a place where I can go to to nurture myself and relax and do like a hundred things. But it's not about growth. And,
1: you know, we kind of build these comfort zones usually from a place of pain, but, you know, and so whatever it was that brought you there, you know, like will get you there, but then you're not going to grow. You got to keep pushing past it. Just coming into any 12-step program is coming out of your comfort zone, and it will be challenging in the beginning, I remember sitting there thinking I was in my first few SLAA meetings and they were women's meetings and I was like, what are they all laughing at? I, this stuff isn't funny. I don't think anything in here is funny, you know? I don't like these women. <laughs> that was like almost my same experience with AA. I like- was laughing. <laughs> Like, that shit isn't funny,
0: you know. And the lights were bright, and there was like a lot of joy. And I'm like, "What the fuck is their problem?" I'm sorry, I'm docking, yeah. dropping an f bomb so right oh, in the first yeah. five minutes. No, we're
1: gonna cuss in this one. So yeah. just just know that. No, it is because it's like it does. It's not funny. And when I came into both of programs, it wasn't funny. Nothing was funny. I had lost all of my joy, which is what drove me there. And yeah, I was not in a comfortable place, but. Working through the stuff, I did, you know, I did gain levels of comfort, levels of comfort, level, and then work, push past it so that I can continue to grow.
0: Well, and, go, ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, you know, one of my mantras is that one of the things about the program is to be happy, joyous, and free. And that's like, that's what the whole program is about, is to be happy, joyous, and free. And so when I went in and saw all those people, I didn't get it now. I get it then, I get it now. But that's like people living in more joy. Now go ahead, what were you going to say? Yeah, I just didn't, I didn't think it was funny at
1: all, and I forgot what I was going to (laughs) say. It's okay. I just think that like, it's very um, challenging to come into something so completely different than anything i mean when i was a kid me and my siblings we made fun of it and you know we didn't we just you know i never thought that i was going to be sitting in the rooms of alcoholics anonymous or even further than that i didn't even know about slaa but yeah here i am in my adult life with something that saved my life but the thing is is that when I did come in, and there's all of these levels, and I think even just sitting in there, remembering like those, those the women in those slaw meetings laughing, and me thinking like this isn't funny, is that was a mirror in itself. That was me looking at the truth, and the truth was is I wasn't happy, joyous, and free. I didn't have anything to laugh about. I didn't think anything was funny. And um, that was true when I first came into AA, and it was definitely true when I first came into SLAA.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And if somebody had told me what you had said, like what was the, that um, your Al-Anon sponsor said to you? The, that it was your own doing?
0: That I, I was sharing with Elizabeth a story about like this birthday party that I concocted because I wanted my qualifier to be there, and he was dating someone, and I had invited his mother and his sister, and he invited this girl, and I was like, sure, because I was duplicitous, and, you know, I let her come, and I planted my Al-Anon sponsor at the table with them to be a spy, but I was telling Elizabeth that she was very recovered, and she wasn't having any of it, and at the end of the night, she said, I would feel sorry for you, but this is of your own, this is of your own creation. You've created this whole situation, and it was like a slow knife in my heart. You know those movies where they slowly drive the knife in. And, and it was deep and it was wounding. And she's the kindest person in the world. And for her to have the courage to say that to me, it was a truth bomb. And it's really what I needed to hear. Because I was not a victim. I was a volunteer. I love that. That's one of my, my most favorite al sayings of all time. And I had created. I have to sneeze. Well,
1: I'll I'll pick up from there while you're sneezing. So my sponsor, um, my AA sponsor, said to me one time. I was complaining because I worked with my qualifier, and I was complain. I was like, Oh, he was flirting with this other girl right in front of me, and she said so. And I was like, Well, that's hurtful. What do you mean so? You know can't he flirt with other people no not right in front of me you think he wasn't doing that for to get an effect she was like how do you know why he's doing it you know and it was like all of that stuff and I was like I was so mad at her I was just like she doesn't understand me she doesn't feel bad for me that I've got this horrible person blah 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 but the truth is is that it was a mirror what difference does it make if he flirts with someone else He's not your boyfriend, and even if he is, it doesn't mean anything to flirt with someone, you know?
0: Right, and if you've been confident, because I see this with like happily married people where, you know, there are people purportedly happily married. She's like, oh, he's just a flirt. They're so confident in their relationship and their marriage in their situation that, you know, sure, you can go be a little flirt and, you know, do whatever. It's not going to affect that other right, person. Right, But you didn't have that confidence. No, you didn't not at all. I that. was
1: so insecure, and I was mm-hmm. so afraid of what he was going to do with other women. And, you know, But it, and I've had many situations like that. I've had my sister do it, like hold up a mirror of truth and just feel so much pain about it and get so mad at them and try to blame
0: them and try to... I had a friend give me this book for Christmas one time. That book, he's just not into you. <laughs> <laughs> like, you need to read this. And you're like, what? And I knew the book. And the minute I got it, I was like, oh. <laughs> we talk about it now and laugh. And she said, girl, you were not happy with your Christmas present. <laughs> and I was like, it was because it was, again, it was the truth. And I didn't, you know, want to look at it. And it was like, you know, my friends were like, and it was my addict. And so, I get it. That's why I had to come to SLAA. I don't think there's any person that walks through that door that was like, you know, oh, Yes, let's, let me
1: get in here and get right to work and figure out what you... Do. No, no. I don't know anybody. And everybody's, you know, most... The women that I've ever worked with are very resistant. They don't want to follow the program. They don't want to um, participate in... Um, abstinence or not dating or no contact or any any of the above but so you know the reason that we're talking about this is um i had posted a video um because i do coaching and i post these videos on youtube um every day about my coaching topics and i said that i um i had uh mentioned something to a sponsee of mine and it hurt her feelings. Well, she called me and said, when you said this, it hurt my feelings. And um, I I don't want to feel like I can't come to you and talk to you about things, but if you're gonna throw sarcasm in there or be sarcastic about it. And so we started talking, I let her go through her little explanation. I'm sorry, I already told MG this story, but um, you know, we go through a few things and then I said, so I want to talk about this, um, statement that i made and maybe the way that i presented it maybe there was sarcasm and that's not the best way to do it well, tell him what she said but, well so um she's in a dating relationship and she's dating somebody and and um not following her dating plan and it's i can see where there's like i can see down the road there's it's messy and it's because she's not following the dating plan and she had sex with him really early, and um, not according to not the according baby. to what her dating plan was. And um, I said, "Well, it sounds like you go. You took that dating plan and crumpled it up and threw it out the window. And um, that's what it was that hurt her feelings. But the thing is, is that it's the truth. And um, you know, I think that's why it hurt her feelings." And, um, you know, we got, we worked through it and, and, you know, she's not like mad or anything, but I know, I recognize that sting and that, whoa, what do you mean? Because I've had, it. I've, I've had that mirror <laughs> held yes. up to me numerous times, numerous times. And, um felt that sting, like the slap in my face or the kick in the chest. Well, nobody
0: or... likes a correction. I mean, it it doesn't matter who we are. And I remember in grad school, it was, you know, so um, humbling to go in and, like, do what you think is really great work in front of the class and then have everybody say what what a stinky and that, turd yeah. you just dropped in front of everybody. <laughs> right. And I would be like, what? That was brilliant. I thought it was great. <laughs> and they're like, and I was like, oh my God, they're right. And so I feel like because I had that training, I have a little bit more resilience around hearing the truth. And, But I still feel this piece of dis dash ease within me when I, um, especially like at work I'm corrected because it's, I know, and what I think it comes down to is it's our ego. Our ego wants to drive the bus, our ego wants to be important, our ego wants to get the strokes and when we get the opposite of that, we get the correction, the ego is the one that's affronted. The ego is the one that's like, what do you mean? You know, hands on hips, dot, dot, dot. But when we are honest, and like I make up that your sponsee, if your sponsee had been in this place of willingness to hear it, they would have said, Yeah, you're right. Like I was with my sponsor, sponsor when she told me that. It I was, meant to
1: ask you, like, what did you say to her when she said, I just I feel I, sorry I, for I, you I, but I you like, created
0: this. I was like, I was like, wow. And, you know, because it was the party was wrapping up and they were still there. And, you know, and I kind of, like, put my hand on my heart, and I was like, wow. And, um, you know, her partner was there and was kind of, like, nodding her head. <laughs> and so I was just like, uh, it took me a minute to process it. You know, there was a lot I had to process that night because that night had been so extremely painful. But when the truth, when I'm in alignment with the truth and when, and when I'm in a place where I can accept it and hear it, and take it in, it's transformative. And that plus, like my therapist encouraging me to go to SLAA and all these things, it was like what I needed to hear, right when I needed to hear it, in order for me to, you know, get better.
1: So, um, you know, I, I was just thinking like, what is the solution? So when you do, when you are confronted with this truth, you know, how do we deal with that? How do we handle it? And I think, you know, one of the first things you need is awareness. Like, okay, like that didn't feel good to me. So I know like the, the one that really sticks out for me is I was, um, living in this rent house and I, my sister was, had Samantha for the summer and I don't even remember how old Samantha was, but, um, the, I drove into, I had them on speakerphone and I drove into the driveway and I was like, oh no, the dr- the uh, garage just caved in. And my sister had just been there to visit me and seen where I lived and, you know, saw all this stuff. And she was like, why don't you move or why don't you go, you know, had kind of sideways said that she didn't really approve of where I lived. And then she goes, you need to get out of there. Get out now. You need to move. And I'm, my daughter's on the phone with me at the same time. And I, it was the sting. It was my face got hot. And I was like, you know, and I had to call her back and say like, look, you cannot, you can't say those things to me like with my daughter in there, you know, I'm the mom and I'm making these choices. And then you're like showing this is a bad choice your mother made in front of her. If you want to do that, you can do that with me one-on-one, but not with, and we got in this big fight about it, you know, not a big fight, but an argument. And, um, she said that the reason that she said it was because she thought I could do better. And when she said that, I got it. And that is the truth. But did she hear you about? She did about saying it to, you know, and she did. And we worked through it. And that's why she was able to say, you know, and she did apologize for hurting my feelings. She said, I just think that you could do better.
0: Yeah.
1: And she was right, you know, so, and it did. I bought this house shortly after that conversation. So, you know, I I understand it and I get it. It was the delivery, but I needed to process it. So I needed to, first of all, become aware, like, that really hurt my feelings. I'm going to get off the phone okay and then like you said you got to process it with someone you know so there was the awareness that uh there's something wrong here because what i want to do is make it her fault Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. i don't want to look at where i'm living it's not good enough for me i don't want to do that what i want to do is point it all back you
0: know just volley that that ball right back in her lap you know like my sister doesn't understand me and she's not supportive and that's really important that you realize that because when we have real problems in our life, I so often don't want to look at the real problem. I want to look like the, at the problem adjacent. Right. You know? and, and or she the was deliverer. The, or the deliverer, the bearer of bad news. And so I think that this is a good conversation that we're having because it's not necessarily also about like hearing the feedback, but on how to give the feedback, how to give the correction. Yes. And I love this saying, say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't be mean when you say it. And so a situation happened at work where I had to give like a partner in the law firm a little bit of feedback because what he was saying kept hurting my feelings. And you and I have talked about this before, and I may have talked about it on the podcast about how he makes fun of me and uh he makes fun of me because of how i greet the office dog and something happened this week where it was my father's birthday i mean he's been deceased for 30 years but um one of my sisters was texting and saying something about he loved to tease and i remembered like vividly something that he would do and say to tease me and when I realized that I was able to connect back the dots like to my boss why it upsets me when my boss teases me about how I greet the dog and it's like somebody else could tease me about something and I wouldn't take it to heart but he's a man of authority. The authority figure and a male. And a male and I It triggers you. It triggers me and I felt like my response to Scotty the office dog was a Appropriate and perfect and wonderful and I didn't want to stop it but I would like catch myself not doing like is Mark in the office like is he here and and so one day I did I thought that I'd done that but he was in the kitchen and so I greeted Scotty in the morning and you know Scotty comes over and we scratch and he has wiggles and I talk in my Scotty voice and we greet each other for the morning it's our little morning ritual and he was like oh That voice? What is that voice? And I just stopped, and I stood up, and I went, and I looked at him, and I said as gently as possible, Mark, please don't make fun of me. It really hurts my feelings. And he was making his breakfast, and he stopped and looked at me, and he didn't say anything, and then I went on back to my office and did my deal, and he came back to me later, and he said, I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I was just playing with you. But I will not do that if that upsets you. So he had to think about it for a second as well, because clearly I gave him a little truth bomb. And I'd been like practicing this, like what I was going to do, because I feel like, Part of my mission and part of my program, when I see my sponsees doing such strong work and like doing nine steps and all this, it's like, you know, I can speak my truth. Like you were saying that thing that you have on your wall when, you know, one woman stands up, you know, for themselves, they stand up for all of us. So, you know, I was practicing what I was going to say. So I felt like I gave him the truth. In a very like real clear direct way, and that's one of the things I learned from you. Keep it simple, you know, two sentences. Please don't make fun of me; it hurts my feelings. And that's it. And put a period on it. Stop. Put a period on it and walk away. You yes. know, I you don't need to explain message. it. You don't
1: need to give him the solution. You don't have to say the reasons why,
0: which is all the crap that we do want to do. No. And all this like woman stuff. I'm so sorry to have a feeling or I'm so sorry to not like put up. Or cry or whatever. Yeah. And so it really transformed that little thing. And now that I realize, oh, my father, you know, may have teased me that like connects it and makes an, an understanding of why it's so big for me. Or it was big for me, and then it's even gotten to the point where he was greeting Scotty and he was doing his sweet Scotty voice, and I was passing by and I'm like, "Oh, that voice! What's that voice, Mark?" And he was just like, "That's my Scotty voice," and I was like, "Okay." So it allowed a little bit more um, release, freedom, congeniality, congeniality yeah. you a know, bonding. The space, you both love the dog, you know. Right, 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 right. So it, it's important, and I, I personally don't feel like what you said to your sponsee C was, um, you know, framed, and, framed in an in incorrect way. Because, you know, I've heard you give me that feedback to me about certain things, and that's one of the great things I value about you, about Elizabeth, is that, you know, you're not going to BS. You are going to lay it out. You're going to call it like you see it. And you do have that discerning eye where you can see the behavior that someone is doing and you can, you know, connect the dots on the disaster that's going to happen at the end of the the train track when the train's careening, you know, right. 30 miles yeah. over the speed limit or whatever. It's yeah. like, you know what's going to happen and you don't want your sponsees to get derailed I and don't. you wouldn't be doing them a favor by just being that kind friend. Oh yes, I understand. Yeah. Like your sponsor was to you. Right. Right, exactly.
1: So, you know, there's, we have the awareness, the process, and then you got to say something. You know, you have to be able to deal with it. You know, I think in the past, what I would do is just like, fuck them. I'm never going to talk to them again. Over the something avoidant. like this. Be avoidant. And then just like, you know, cut them out. Blow of it life. up. Blow it up. And I don't want to do that. You know, it's, it's, it it's it's hard and painful. But
0: you know, I It's also I did, adult and it's also it recovered. And I
1: did, I do, you know, and I, I do think about like with, if it's my sponsor, it's, should I really say this? And I'm like, you know, I, the thing, the thought process that goes in my head is they chose me and they chose me because they hear me be like this. This is, I get like, you know, <laughs> I, a lot of times people will tell me in a meeting that I scare them, you know? And I understand that, and it,
0: it, it, I think it's other people's stuff, not me. I'm not scary. Absolutely, I am direct. You are direct, and I, I do think it's because you're not Southern. Mm-hmm. I think it's because you were raised in California, and maybe with a, I feel like a little bit of a New York edge. Yeah, there is some edge there.
1: Yes, and
0: and, and 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 I really appreciated that in New York when people were that clear and concise. I remember going in a restaurant. And it was like one of my first times, and I'm with someone else, and we're like on the speakerphone with somebody in this little tiny, the restaurants there are so tiny, and we're talking on the speakerphone because we're so excited to be in New York. Yeah, we're in New York. And the restaurant was empty, but one of the waiters came up and said, could you please take your phone off speakerphone? And I was just like, oh, my God, yes. And he was just like, you know, he spoke quietly but he had a look on his face like this is not cool <laughs> could you please take your phone off speaker phone and 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 I remember I was with my sister and we were both like oh my god yes yes and that was a correction we wanted to hear because we didn't want to seem like these like you know out of town town Yeah, you know, we're in New York <laughs> and hey, look, yeah <laughs> and you did and we did. And so we got, we got sophisticated real quick. We yeah. not like take it off. So, uh, yeah.
1: But I think that, so like one of the things that I know for me, when I am faced with that information and I am given that truth is one of the reasons I don't want to face it is because then you have to do something. If I face the truth of, yes, I could do better about where I live. I have to do something. You know I'm not gonna just sit there like that you know oh I live in a place that's below my value <laughs> right, right. and so I did and I moved and I think that's you know that's the next you have to say something you gotta like work through it with the person whoever it is but then you got to do something and I wanted to mention too um, you know sponsor-sponsee relationships are unique and it's, you know, you're, you're asking somebody to sponsor you because you're almost asking for this, like, daily or weekly critique, you know? Sure. <laughs> and, and you do, you give them all of this history. You know, we spend all of this time working together, and you give, you know, someone all of your history, and you tell them everything that you've done, and then, you know, miles down the road, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna do this, and I'm, you're throwing your dating plan out the window, dude. And you're going to get that, you know, and it isn't always um, simple and it's not always easy for the sponsor to deliver that message either. And I really want, you know, I like a sponsor who's very direct and very, very open and um, calls it like it is with mm-hmm. me, you
0: mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm.
1: because I need that and, yeah. but it's not always easy to take.
0: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But. I think that that's why it's part of the uh, program and it's one of the things that does work because, you know, we always talk about get a sponsor and, you know, that's tried and true advice over all recovery programs and it's because, you know, I love that phrase like when I'm up in my head, I'm in a bad neighborhood, like my best thinking got me here and so I feel like I have to, or at least I did at the very beginning of the program say... Out loud to a group of people and to another person in particular, here's what I'm thinking about. What do you think about that? And they can uh, have a little bit more objectivity and clarity, and they can say, okay, so yeah, I can see why you had that thought, but l- let me give you some feedback about where that thought's going to take you. And, and the vision that I sort of have of like sponsor sponsee relationships is, is like a cliff. And, and it's a cliff that has, like, little areas of plateaus. And so it's like, you know, I feel like when I was um, coming into SLAW that it was this ocean wave had pushed me up on this hard rocky beach, narrow rocky beach, which I feel is like at the very beginning of recovery. And, you know, it's clear you got to get off the beach. You can't you stay there. Like and up on that cliff, lo and behold, there's another woman looking down saying, Hey! How are you? Welcome. <laughs> Want some help? Listen, climb up. Get off that wet beach. There's a little warm There's cave Water here. coming up. Yeah. You know, it's gonna happen again if you don't get your ass off of there. And then they can direct you. No, don't use that rock. Come up this way, climb this way, and then they get to a plateau. And that, you know, as I grow up. One. that's right. Yeah. And that I, feel I like, like that analogy. And and you know, my analogy is to the person that's, you know, climbing up below me listen, you gotta help someone else that you see roll up on the beach. And so that's like- You can't leave that step until you get someone else up here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's that whole lineage. And I mean, you continue to do your work and I continue to do my work. There are some people who get comfortable on a ledge or on a plateau and they don't continue to do their work and they don't help anybody else. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. But that's not how I do it. I can tell you honestly for me that um, the, the sponsees
1: that I have that do what I do, sponsor other women, are the ones that, keep, that have the best sobriety. I have a lot that don't, and they don't do the work, but the ones that get the, yeah, you got to sponsor someone.
0: Well, I love that phrase again, you know, if you want to keep it, you got to give it away. And for me, I get more out of sponsoring women, and I never thought that I would have thought that when I first got into recovery, but I get more out of sponsoring women than I often do out of meetings or, um am working
1: with a sponsor. Right. I do. Yeah. Because I get... It's a different, you know, it's like I get to see, like, <laughs> the times I took my dating plan and threw it out the window. You know, I get to see... You know, it's like, if I'm kind of like dealing with something, I, and I start talking to one of my sponsees, invariably it comes up and then I hear myself saying what it is that I need to hear. Mm-hmm. And that happens every time. Mm-hmm. Every time. Mm-hmm. There's a, um, and when you do the, the, the picture for this one, if you could find one of these, I don't know, but there's a, a saying that you always have to have one hand here and one hand there.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you've mm-hmm. got to be
1: helping someone up. And then have someone helping you up the whole time.
0: Yeah, part of that chain and part of that connection. Yeah. Well, and I think that that goes back to the we. You know, the first word and the first step is we. We. And I think it's so brilliant how 12-step program came to be. And it was a divine sort of stumbling that, you know, Dr. Bob and Bill W. stumbled upon after many years of trial and error, they kind of like figured it out and it still continues to evolve. But I think that there is a basis of doing, you know, the step work, being There's so much left
1: to chance. So there's like, it's a spiritual program because there's so much healing and so much information that is not in the books, that is not in the pamphlets, that comes from this, Mm -hmm. comes from connection, Mm -hmm. comes from sitting in a meeting and hearing some arbitrary statement that someone says, you know, I can remember so many times when I hear somebody, um, like years ago, I was writing my column and I went to an AA meeting at at lunchtime and I shared how I had, I had fucked up this recipe that I printed in the Chronicle and it was the buttermilk pie. And I had wrote, it was a great recipe, a great, very simple And I, when I wrote the recipe and I put one and one quarter cups of flour and it should have been one quarter cup of flour. I had no idea how many people were reading my column until I did that. (laughs) I was walking in Wednesday morning and the phone was like bleep, 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 bleep. And I was like, "Uh oh, that's because I'm the first one in every morning. That's a bad sign when my phone's ringing like that. So I go answer the phone, and it's someone mad about the buttermilk pie. <laughs> and I'm grabbing the paper, looking through it, and I looked at it, and then I pulled the recipe up, and I was like, damn it. And it was like, I'm sorry. I screwed up. Yeah, it was me. And it was all day. Every time the phone ran, let me guess, buttermilk pie, buttermilk pie, buttermilk pie, they were mad. And um, so I went to the meeting and I shared how like I did this error and it's just like all I'm doing is dealing with the aftermath of the buttermilk pie. Five years later, I go to that meeting. I stopped going to it every day, but I, you know, happened to go, and it was huge, and all these people, and this one guy raises his hand. I don't remember what the topic was, but he goes like, you know, I came in here one time a while ago, and there was this lady that was here every day that worked at the Chronicle, and she shared this story about the day she ran a recipe error and how screwed up that day was. And I always remember that. I never have had to deal with that. And as long (laughs) as my day doesn't include that, I'm doing okay. And it helped me. And I was, like, sitting there going, like, all right. So, you know, you never know. Like, that's a spiritual connection. Yeah. I didn't share that for him to get, like... Recovery from. Right. I shared it because I was like, I
0: wanted everybody to know how victimized I was about the buttermilk (laughs) pie calls. Well, because you know, as an alcoholic, that is a perfect justification for going and having a drink. Yes, everybody's calling me. Everybody's people mad would at have me. people would have gone and bought you a drink for your tough day. They would have said, "Elizabeth, I'm buying. You Let's go it. to the bar. You need it. You know, it would have been a perfect reason. But, but
1: this—that's the spiritual aspect. You know, is when you connect with someone, your spirit connects with them. You hear something that just. It does what it needs to do for you. You know that's the part of the program that is—it's a spiritual program. Yeah. You can't read the book and get everything that you need. You've got to get a sponsor. You got to hear the tough stuff. You got to do the processing. You got to be aware, and then you got to do something about whatever it is that somebody's holding that mirror up in front of you.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that that's so important. And another thing that I thought of while we were talking, and then we can wrap up, is that. You know a sponsor is not a therapist and one of the things that i have to really um you know pull back from is when things get out of uh, what i call 12-step recovery and get into like family of origin stuff or things like that and that's and and i want to work with people who have a therapist that are in therapy that can go and get that training and so, and, and I've had people use me as a therapist, like a dumping ground. Like, they don't come with their step work, they just come and they meet and they just want to process and, you know, check in about their week or whatever. And so, I will allow that if they're still continuing to do the work, but after two or three times where I meet with them, where it's just doing, they're doing the processing, then I realize they're not really using me for a sponsor your, relationship. Your role. yeah. And I feel used by them, and that's usually when I'll stop working with them. But if they're doing the work and coming and bringing their step work and we're talking it through and I see that they're sticking with their bottom lines, then, you know, I'll continue to work with them. But, you know, getting truth bombs, getting... And I guess we could call this... Giving and receiving critical feedback—that <laughs> would be the name of this podcast.
1: Well, and I liked what you said too, like about um, you know that it is just as important. And I, I, you know, I stand corrected. I could always use lessons in delivery because I am—I can be um, perceived as a or you know, you know, just too blunt or sarcastic. And, um, you know, it's cause sometimes it's it like strikes me as funny. And so that's, you know, it is good feedback for me to remind myself, like, you know, I need to take people's feelings. I don't always, mm. you know, and mm. I can use the correction, but I I learned so much from that feeling. Like whenever I do, whenever I get that feeling, I go like, okay going me. What's going on with me? Yeah. Why did why is that making me feel this way? Yeah. Because it's not what's going on between me and the other person. It's
0: what's going right. on with me. Yes. Me and me. Right. Me and my history. Yeah. And that's you know. Well, and I don't want to have a resentment either. So when I get feedback from someone I want to be able to process it and do it in a healthy way so I don't I don't get a resentment and I don't like, you know, be the teenager that blows it all up and walks out because it was like at work, you know, I felt like I, the minute what are I get in, you going to do, quit? You know, yeah.
1: fuck you, I quit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> fuck this job. I don't need you or your fucking dog. I'm out of here. Put my purse on my shoulder and walk but out. But look
1: how much no. more growth there
0: is when you go like, hey, would you please not make fun of me? It
1: hurts my feelings. And then that person gets to go like, and you not only helped yourself, but you you aided that other person as well.
0: Well, and the funny thing is is that you know, this lawyer represents like people who have like employment law issues, people who, you know, the relationship with their employer has broken. <laughs> So, it's sort of like, uh, even, with, even with the best and most sensitive right. of people, they can do things that, you know... Hey, we all
1: do. You know, we're not aware. And that's what you did, is you gave him some awareness. He cares about the relationship he has with you. And he made adjustments. He heard you.
0: He did hear me. So, he did know, hear me. It, and, you know, and I think that that's a blessing why I have this job. And I felt safe enough where I felt like I could say something to him. And that my growth and my recovery was like... You can say something to him, and your part in it is how you say it. And I love how direct you are in so many ways because I feel like sometimes in certain programs, not necessarily with slaw, but definitely not in AA, you know that sugarcoating doesn't do anybody any good nope. because people's lives are at stake. And and I've heard <laughs> I heard one woman. Talk about, like, uh, when she first got in sober, someone grabbed her by the collar, and it was like, you know, you're the asshole here. You're the asshole. And that woman was like, oh, my God, I'm the asshole, you know? And it was sort of like, it was like, um, I can't remember what it was said, but I was like, oh, my God, nobody would ever do that in an Al-Anon meeting. <laughs> no. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. They wouldn't. But, you know, when I come to SLAA and when, you know, my life was in jeopardy, it was like, I looked for the winners, and I looked for people who had what I wanted, and you have that. You have This that, is Elizabeth. serious shit, you know?
1: It is. I, I was not I, in a good place. I, you know, I, I, I could have killed myself or drank over my stuff around my slaw stuff, and I'm not being flippant about that. That is like bottom line truth. That's what brought me in, and this is serious shit. And when I see someone in a meeting, you know, sort of like, I'm going to kill myself. And then after the meeting, they run out without getting a sponsor. It does. I'm going to be direct. Get a goddamn sponsor. Do the work. You know, this is your life. Save yourself. That's, That's all what this is. You've got to save yourself.
0: And there are people that can be on that journey with you and who can help you. And so, if you're struggling, and we're here. We'll do that. Yeah, absolutely. If you're struggling, shoot us an email, sober sisters talk at gmail.com. Also on Facebook, you can find us on Facebook. We have a, a Facebook page, and I put our
1: um, podcasts on there. And then you can also find us on um, our website, our website www.sober sisters com. And um, we have several um, podcasts on there now, so you can listen for a time. And we do upload them every week. And um, we'd love to have your feedback. And please like and share them. If you enjoy them, please like and share them so that other people can hear um, our wonderful recovery. (laughs) There was a little bit of sarcasm there.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Elizabeth. I love you. And that's MG. And I'm Elizabeth Tudwett. Thank you for listening. Thank you.